Yeah, I want to get right into this tonight, so get your Bibles out and go, if you would, to uh, John chapter 11. I told Frankie just a little while ago, I keep wanting to go a certain direction, and then the Holy Ghost says, no, I want you to go over here, and I says, yeah, but this is really good over here, and then it just keeps going, and we just keep changing, and then I keep saying, well, let's, you know, let me share this scripture first, then it shouldn't, no, you know, you know. So John chapter 11, verse 20, you know, it, these, these uh, last few weeks or however long month that we've been here teaching on, on healing, uh, I had my first person tell me that they felt like they were healed during worship, and I want to let them give their testimony whenever their day is, and so I, I know that God is, is moving, and uh, but, you know, we started out, we've, we've, I've just been drilling y'all and drilling y'all, you know, you, you, it starts with the Word. We've got to get the Word. We've got to get the Word sown in our heart. We've got to get that into our heart that it's what we really and truly believe. And I want to show you something here tonight. Uh, I'm just going to jump down. It's the story of Martha and Mary, the resurrection of Lazarus, but uh, verse 20. It says, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and she met him, and Mary was sitting in the house. Now, notice the difference that... Previously, when Jesus, he kind of jumped on Martha because she was scurrying around the house trying to get everything done, and Mary was the one sitting at the feet of Jesus. But in this instance, Martha meets Jesus first. And he said, she said, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now she made a statement, right? This is, she was telling him her faith. She in her faith, in her mind, she knew that if Jesus would have been there, Lazarus wouldn't have died, right? That's where her faith was. Her heart exposed out of her mouth. That's where her faith is. Lord, if you'd have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. It would have gone like this. So she's a little chapped. I mean, she's got to be because she's grieving the loss of her brother. And so then he says, but even I know that Whatever you ask the Father, God will give you. Okay, so she makes this statement. I don't know where, what she was really thinking, because then Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he, that he will rise again at the resurrection the last day. So she's getting theological with him. She's like, yes, I know he went to heaven. I mean, give this to me, okay? This all hadn't taken place. I know he's in heaven, but I really miss him here on earth, and I wish he was here. And I know I'll get to see him again at the end. You know, it's her face there. You ever think about that, about our faith and about how there's certain things that, I mean, Jimmy, you're not, I'm not going to convince you that you're not going to heaven. Right? I mean, that's set, it's settled. Somebody could come to you and say, there is no heaven. It's just a metaphorical thing or whatever. And you're going to say, no, I know heaven's real. How do you know heaven's real? You don't know heaven's real. You, you know, we read books about people who went to heaven. I hadn't been to heaven. Right? But I, I know it. it's down in the core of me. It's down in the, the innermost part of me. I know heaven's real. Right? And how do you know that? You never touch it. You never saw it. You never tasted it because it's your faith. So Martha in her face, it rose up. It popped up here and she said, oh, I know he's going to, you know, be the resurrected in the last day when you come back. So she had faith for that. But she didn't have faith that Lazarus was going to come out of the tomb. And you can't blame her. Where'd we ever see this before? 
But you know, Jesus, and I don't know the time period, and it's kind of hard sometimes to put all the, the timing of everything. You know, he did raise a boy at Nahum. They're having a funeral, and he raised him up. I don't know if that was after or before, or she just didn't know about it. But you know, you have faith in things that you know about. Think about this. If you've ever been healed, if you've ever known somebody that was healed, then your faith gets more expectant because you say, wait a minute, if it happened for them, it might happen for me, right? It grows. But is it not funny that we have faith for heaven that we ain't never had nobody come back from heaven and tell us? That's great, right? But we know it. It's something down in our core. We know it. The moment that we understand healing the same way that it's down in our core, it's like it can't be taken from me. It's mine. As much as heaven is mine, as, mu- as much as we get that down into us and we know it with beyond a shadow of a doubt, then that's when you're going to start seeing healing start manifesting. But right now, we're still at the place where we can be talked out of it. All right? So look what happens. Martha, let me see if I can find it here. And she says, I am, and, and, and Martha said to him, I know that you will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Now, I mean, I just, I just would have loved to have seen the scene, you know? What did her face look like? Like, yeah. You know, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So look what she says. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God, who is to come to the world. In other words, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're the resurrection of life. I don't know, but all I know is you're the Son of God, and I believe that you're the Christ coming into the world. Okay? So, goes on down, verse 32, Mary comes. Now, when Mary came, Jesus was, he, she saw him. She fell down at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Same, story, same, same level of faith, right? And with her, he doesn't go through it all. He just says he just starts groaning and grieving and said, where is he? And he said, well, you know, he's been dead four days. And he said, let me go tell him. He said, well, no, Lord, he stinks now, you know. So nobody had any faith for Lazarus to get resurrected, right? And then, boom. Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb, okay? So my point is, I'm trying to say to you, is that the things that we do have, just what I'm trying to show you is, there is things that you do have rock-solid faith, the faith that brings about miracle healing. You have that same level of faith, but it's just not in healing. It's in heaven. It's in your salvation. It's in that he hears your prayers, It's the same faith. There's not some special faith. There's not some special anointing, some special pixie dust. It's the same faith. But you got to have it. In Bosworth's book, Christ the Healer, there was a, I got to reading this this example and I tried to come around with another example because I didn't want to use his example, but finally I just gave up and said he's got the best example. Where he puts it this way He says, if there were a thousand people in an auditorium, and a millionaire got up and stood at the, uh, on the stage, and he said, 
I have the ability to give everyone in here $1,000. Everybody would just say, well, okay. Technically, yes. If you have a million, you could give 1,000 people $1,000. Yes. No faith is needed for that. That's simply a statement. But it's how many people do you know if you say, well, can God heal? I say, well, God can heal. God can do anything. Isn't that the same statement? No faith is needed for that. Other than they're believing in God, they say, well, yeah, God, if God is God and God makes worlds, well, then yes, God could heal. God made man, he could heal. So technically, yes, 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 yes. Right? But then if the, then if the millionaire said, okay, I'll tell you what I want to do. I'm going to give 50 of you $1,000. But there's 1,000 people in there, and only 50 are going to get it. So then... You'd be thinking, well, you know, here's my odds again. What's the odds? I'm going to draw the lucky lotto number, right, and get the $1,000. So there's still, you know, you might have some faith. I'm not a good enough mathematician to tell you what your odds would be in that, 50 out of 1,000. But whatever those odds would be, you might even calculate that up and say, well, I've got a one in whatever chance of winning, right? But, I mean, like the lotto. There's people that win in the lotto, but you know, you have faith for the lotto when you just saw somebody won a million dollars. But if you just walk up and look at the lotto tickets in there, I don't ever think there's anything in there. Now there may be, but I don't think there is because, you know, but I remember I never had bought a lotto ticket ever in my life. It's not that I'm like anti-lotto. It's just like, I do something else with my dollar because I don't think I'm going to win until it got to $350 million. And then at $350 million, I said, I told my wife, I said, I, I can't win if I don't have a ticket. There's no sense even thinking about it. I've got to have at least one, you know, ticket with some numbers on it to be in the pot that I could win. And it's too big. I can't stand it. And so I went into the store and I walked in there and I said to the person behind there, I said, uh, you got to help me here. I said, I, I want to buy a lotto ticket. They said, oh, yes, sir. Which one? And I said, I have no idea. I just want in the pot. That's the $350 million pot. And she said, okay, uh, that'll be a dollar. And she says, do you want the, is it the mega ball or the, you want that? And I said, what does that do for me? Well, that means if you get this number, you know, there's certain numbers, it'll make you get a little bit more. I said, how much it costs? She said, another dollar. I said, well, here's $2. I'm in the, I'm in the game, right? And I remember going home that night, sitting there watching the television, waiting to see what the numbers were. <laughs> And I didn't have even anything close. I wasn't, I didn't even have like, like even a one digit of the thing, right? But I was in it, right? You couldn't have, I couldn't have even an ounce of faith if I didn't have the ticket that I might win. It would be ridiculous to sit there in front of the TV saying, come on, let me win. Come on, let me win. I got to have a ticket, right? Okay, so if the, if the guy said, the millionaire said, I'm going to give 50 people in here $1,000, well, then you, you would have that same little you know, I don't even know if you'd call it faith. That same little expectancy, that same little you know, anticipation that maybe it's you. But if he stood up there and said, I'm here tonight to tell you people that I am got a million dollars and I'm going to give each of you a thousand dollars, form a line right here, come by and I will give you a thousand dollars. So now all of a sudden, wait a minute, you're like, wow. Okay. All you would have to do is Come through the line, 
take the thousand and say, thank you, sir, and walk off. Right? Well, if Jesus is already by the, his redemption on the cross bought and paid for our healing, then it's as the same as him saying to each every, every person in there, I've already done it, come and receive it. That's where our faith has to be. We're not hoping that we're just, you know, going to possibly get into the jackpot. Not just saying, oh, well, yeah, God could heal if he wanted to heal. Well, God heals sometimes. He heals certain people sometimes. But all of a sudden, now it's an assured thing. All of a sudden, something drops down on the inside of you, and you know it as sure as heaven is real. That Jesus is a healer. He's paid for our healing. It's already been bought and paid for. All we have to do is appropriate it. It's forever settled. That's the faith that moves you into miracles and seeing signs and wonders, seeing healing, and seeing things that are going on. Now, let me show you something else. Go back uh, two chapters, John chapter 9. The healing of the blind man. Verse 1. John 9, 1. I'm going to read a little bit here, so you all just follow with me. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, I don't know how they knew. Guess maybe he had it on his sign. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, hold on right there. Okay. They see a guy blind, so immediately they assume somebody did something wrong or he wouldn't have been blind. So let's think that. Okay, let's just take that thinking for a second. So then what that's saying is, if you never did anything wrong in the kingdom of God, there's healing. You follow that? Okay, let's take another train of thought. If sin was the issue and Jesus dealt with sin, then healing is taken care of. If sickness is a result of sin and Jesus took care of sin on the cross, then healing or sickness is taken care of. It's, it's under the blood. There's no question. But I, I, don't raise your hands. Don't look at the floor because I know you, 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 this has happened to you. Have you ever said that? Have you ever known somebody that got sick and you say, well, you know, they're sorry, oh, Gus. <laughs> you know, they've lived raunchy all their life and, you know, I got sick, you know. Are you all with me? Aren't we saying just what the disciples were saying about the blind man there? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Because they're relating sickness to sin. And we do that too. But if we do that, what we're saying then is Jesus didn't cover that under the anointing. I mean, under the atonement. Oh, so he only dealt with some sins? Because if sickness is a result of sin and he dealt with Sin, didn't he deal with all of it? All sin? Because what's sin? Missing the mark, separation between man and God. So then everything would have been taken care of. All right, let's read the story on. So Jesus says, well, neither one. Nobody was. Just, it, it, this has all happened just right now for a moment that I'm going to, you know, we're going to see God get glory. 
And so he says, uh, neither this man nor the parents sin, but the works of God may be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm, I'm the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay of the saliva, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is, sent, is, is translated sent. So he went, he washed, he came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had been with him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, It's he. And others said, Well, it looks like him. And he said, I'm, It's me. Therefore, they said, How were your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So he went and he washed and I received my sight. Then they said to him, Well, where is he? He said, I don't know. Couldn't see when I was down there. When I got my eyes washed off, I couldn't find where he was at. Had spit mud in my face. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also asked him again how that he had received his sight. And he said unto them, they put clay on my eyes, and I went and washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not of God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Okay. Now, I want you to just think about this for a minute. They were totally blown away that Jesus didn't keep the Sabbath, not that a man was healed. And we say, ah, dirty, rotten sinners. But let's just think about that for a second. All right? They so accepted the fact of divine healing that it was no surprise to them. It didn't marvel them at all that a blind man received his sight. Why is that? Well, you can go back and look all over the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy 31. You can go look at the stories they told about the children of Israel walking through the, 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 the wilderness that their shoes didn't wear out. Nobody was ever sick for 40 years. You can go see where God said, I'm the God that healeth thee. He said, I'm going to not ever put any of the sicknesses on you or the Egyptian that, they, that was like in the Egyptians. And, uh, you can go through and see all these things. They accepted healing. They accepted physical healing. It was a part of their culture, part of their life. To a Jewish person, being healed was no deal, no big deal. Matter of fact, it's kind of funny because my, my observation, okay, okay, let's just think, let me just tell you some stories. Uh, just think about this. When, remember when the children of Israel all sinned and then the, the serpents came out and started biting everybody and then God said, you know, go put the, the snake on a pole and they made a brass snake on the pole and everybody that looked up to the pole, snake on the pole was healed. So there was a whole bunch of people healed. How many times in the Old Testament you see when leprosy breaks out on people because they sinned, everybody's healed. They, the stories of the old prophets, the king strikes out against them, his hand withers, then he speaks again and his hand is restored. What I'm saying is they just took healing as a, it was a fact. It was just like you believe in heaven. Never questioned it. Never question physical healing. We do. We Gentiles. We question physical healing. But to the Jewish person, they didn't question it. It's just a part of life. It's part of your acceptance. That's who God is. We're 
the tribe of Israel, and we walk in healing. Now, they weren't practicing it real well. They were more mad that Jesus healed on the Sabbath because therefore it broke the Sabbath law because Moses' law said you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, and they took it all into this religious deal, and you know, it wasn't even really based out of the Bible. It was based out of their books that they had written and, 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 and all this kind of stuff, right? They were angry and said, well, he couldn't be of God. Now, just think about this. He couldn't be of God because he broke the Sabbath. So then the story goes on, and they begin to argue. No, let's read it. It's better to read the word than me to maybe make up something here. He said, this man is not of God because he does not keep the Sabbath. The other says, well, how can a man who's a sinner do such things? It's like, <laughs> you're like, you can't doubt the fact this guy can see. And if he's a sinner, God wouldn't be with him, but he's healed. And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, now, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes. He said, well, he said, no, I'm, I'm adding this word. He said, least a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents and they had received his sight. And they asked him saying, is this your son? Who do you say who was born blind? And they said, how does he now see? And the parents said, well, this is our son. And he was born blind, but um, how he sees, we don't know. He said, he, they said, he's old enough. He's of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they were fear of the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, they'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So again, they called the man that was blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Give glory to God. In other words, see, they're still relating it back to healing is a part of the old covenant. And so you're healed under the old covenant, so give God glory. But we know this man's a sinner because he broke the Sabbath. And he answered, said, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. This guy was from Utopia, man, I'm telling you, he's a hick. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that I was blinded, now I see. Right? He said, I don't know what you're thinking, but what I'm telling you is, man, I was blind, now I see. And I don't really care if he's a sinner or not. Bless God, I can see. Right? Okay. So the point I'm trying to make is the Pharisees so accepted healing, but they couldn't accept the breaking of the Sabbath. They so accepted by faith, they believed it, just like you believe in heaven, and you've never seen it. It was just, yeah, he was, oh, yeah, he's healed, okay, yeah. No questions. That's where we got to get to, church. we got to get to the place and the point in life where when someone is sick, it's not like you sit around and say, well, let's see, did you sin or your parents sin? Or is this wrong or is that wrong or does this and that happen? It's just like, it doesn't really make any difference. Look, are you a believer in Jesus? Well, yes, I am. Well, then in the covenant and the redemption that Jesus did for you on the cross, healing is a part of the package. That's all you need to understand. Well, how does it work? I don't know but I just know it's in the package. And if he said, you can be healed, you can be healed. So there's really no... See, your faith has to be so rooted. Well, God, I don't know. Do you want to heal him? Do you want me to lay hands on him or not? I don't know. Maybe he's going to receive. Maybe he's not. And I've been there. You know, it's like 
I've been there and said, you know, anticipate. Say, gosh, I pray. Should I say something? Should I, you know, what? But then after a while, you know, if, if, you know, most people know me and they know I'm a pastor. And so, you know, it's not like, you know, they're going to expect something to pray. You know, they're not going to be freaked out. But my point is, it shouldn't be freaked out anyway, because we ought to accept it the same as we did, the Jews did, that it's all a part of the package. It's all a part. It was in the Old Covenant. It's in the New Covenant. Because it's all under the redemptive work of Jesus. And so our meditations and our, you know, our mullings over inside of our own heart have to be to start looking and saying, wait a minute, we've got to get any doubt out of this thing, because if Jesus took care of sin and sin is an issue of their sickness is an issue of came from sin and it's all been carried and it's all been taken care of and it's all been covered, then it's all in the package. It's all in the, 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 the redemptive work of Jesus. It's all in the, under the atonement. It's all under the blood. There's no reason here why we, we couldn't see manifestations of healings. You know, and this sounds funny, and when I say it out of my mouth, it sounds kind of funny. But, you know, we ought to not even call it miracles. Because to me, a miracle is something that couldn't have happened and it happened. You see what I'm saying? You say, oh, we're going to believe in God for miracles. No, that's like it couldn't have been attained and it did happen to me. Now, maybe I'm using the words wrong, you know, or I'm thinking wrong. But my intellect says, my, my mind says, oh, it's a miracle. That means water into wine. That was a miracle. But healing should be as absolute, commonplace as salvation. There's not a one of y'all here that if somebody came up and they said, oh, my God, I'm, I know I'm wrong, not right with God. I want to be right with God. I want to get saved. I want to give my life to Christ. If you would just take them by the hands and say, let's just pray. The Bible, I mean, you throw a scripture. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Let's pray. They say, I want to pray. And you pray. They say, God, I want to lead you to the prayer. And when you get through that prayer, there's not a one of you going to say, eh, I don't know, did you get saved or not? How do you feel? You feel any different? You know, did, did, did something, you're not going to go home and you say, well, you tell your spouse, well, you know, I don't know. They, you know, they, they, they've said the prayer, but... You know, I didn't really see any reaction or, I mean, if you do do, if you do do that, <laughs> then you've got a lot of doubt in you because my Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, you're saved. Boom, it's happened. Your name's written down in the book of life. But would that not be kind of crazy? What if I was, what if I had an altar call on Sunday bring him up here? Everybody, you know, prayed and said, hey, I don't know. I don't think he really meant it. Y'all would all say, oh, Pastor, what are you doing? Oh, my God. He's gone crazy. He's mad. Yeah, I don't know. I looked in your eyes. I just don't know if you really got saved or not. Right? That's the place we've got to be with healing. We've got to be so assured that we know that it's in our covenant under the atonement and the blood of Christ, that there is absolutely no doubt within us that that part's covered. Right? Okay. So, 
Let me show you something else. You can just jot these down because I'm going to run out of time. I'll come back and we'll go over more later. I have five ways here that I can see out of the New Testament that Jesus said that we can appropriate healing to people. Okay? The first one is John 14, 13 and 14. He says, And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So the, that word ask is a word that means demand. So now here we go. If you as a believer are hearing what I'm saying tonight and you lock into it, and you know that's in the covenant, then you can pray for a person and demand it in the name of Jesus because he paid for it. There you go. There's only 999 in the auditorium that's going to get the $1,000. And you need one more. So you run out onto the street and you grab somebody. And he said, come on in with me. Right here, this guy going to give away $1,000. The first 1,000 people is only 999 They Come on with me. You're going to get it. With that same tenacity, you can go to a person and say, by gosh, this is what the Word of God says. That's what it says right there. It's in the covenant right now. It's yours. Are you a believer in Jesus? Let's pray and demand in the name of Jesus. Or it could be for yourself. You're assured in your covenant. You know what God said. It's rooted and grounded on the inside of you. You can go in prayer, and you can pray in the name of Jesus, command your body to line up, function like it's supposed to. Second one. Like I said, we'll go back over these another service. John 16, 23. Close to the same, but just a little bit different. He says, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So here's a, here's, a, here's a little bit different twist. He says, listen, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. So that means you're, you're not demanding it in the name of Jesus and taking your authority as a believer. Now you're just going to the Father and saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, because he's the one that gets me in, I'm calling down what the covenant this guy belongs to him, be healed in the name of Jesus. A little different twist. Same thing, though. Gets the same result. The third one, Matthew 18, 19 and 20. It says, again, I say unto you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or, or, or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So the third way would be you're in agreement with somebody. Agreement would bring about healing. What are you agreeing upon? Now, see, here we go. Whoo, man, this is, the little, this is the little change here. This is the little change here. I see it so clearly. If you're at the position saying, oh, Father, please heal me. Wait a minute. You're not really believing what the covenant says. If you've gone in there with a believer and saying, look, we're, we're from the kingdom of heaven authority. And we're in here because you have a right as a believer to have healing. Walk in healing. Now, since things are changing, your prayer's changing. You're not asking the Father to do something that would be out of place. 
You're simply saying Jesus paid for this, and we're in agreement because we know what the covenant says. Now there's two of you agreeing. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Okay, back to my person. The, the, the 999th, the person, the one person outside. If what if he went out there and grabbed me and said, Come on in, come on in, brother, come on, come on, you go get a thousand. He's what, what are you doing? Don't touch me, fool. Who are you? Crazy man. Ain't nobody gonna give me a thousand dollars. Nobody gives away a thousand dollars. Ain't no millionaire in there. You're trying to get me in there, but you're part of a cult. He ain't gonna get healed. He ain't going to get his $1,000. And there's people out there like that that say, oh, God's not going to do that. I can't help them except teach them. When Jesus went to Nazareth and, and he said that he could only lay hands on a few sick folks, just think of the way they say that. Like, <laughs> that was no big deal. Just lay hands on a few sick folks and heal them. What, what do they have? Got a few runny noses or, you know, what? why did they say it like that? Only lay hands on just a few sick folks because there wasn't any faith in the city. So he just got a few sick folks healed. So then the next verse is he went around in a circuit teaching. Because what's he doing? He's trying to build people's faith. Say, what do you mean? It's in the covenant. You got to know it's in the covenant. It's in the covenant. It's in the covenant. It's in the covenant. Today, my wife was on the phone dealing with an insurance company, and she was talking to the lady, and I'm sitting over there because I had to, I was a person on the card, and I had to just, um, whatever my wife said, do it, you know, and then hand her the phone. And so, so she's dealing with them and all, and then so they, they tell the price, and then, and then she's like, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, what is it, you know, that's not the price that we, it was, and, and she starts talking with her, and I thought, oh, yeah, she's going to get, this, this great man of faith that I am. I said, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's really going to work. And so she keeps talking to the person. She says, well, can't you just waive that charge? I mean, there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be that. It should be this. And in a minute, the girl, she said, well, hold on just a minute. Let me check. She comes back and says, okay, well, we'll, we'll waive that. And I'm like, way to go, sweetie. It is what got her to knock off 100 bucks. Way to go. And then I thought, sitting there in the chair, I thought, hmm, if she had never asked, they wouldn't have told her. Right? I ain't going to tell her. If you ask me, I'll get you another $100. She's not going to say that. But she asked. Because you know what? It made me start thinking. And, and this is what I thought was funny about it. I'd had to go check, and I'm not trying to accuse the insurance company of anything. But my point is, there was something available, but it didn't come about. Unless we ask for it. Wow. There's something available in heaven. But if you didn't ask for it, you didn't walk in it. And people's attitude are, well, you know, God, I don't want to die. Can you heal me? But if you ask, like what I'm talking about here, in faith, it's what's yours. Then it gets appropriate. Now, this is what was also interesting. This transaction took place over the telephone, and my wife is using a credit card, and I didn't see the person. I knew where her name was. Didn't see them. They were negotiating this thing, and then it was all said and done. And just think about how weird this is. 
Because you see, I can't get out of cash or checks. I don't even have a debit card. I've only ever drawn money out of an ATM machine once, and that was my wife made me do it. Because she said, you need to know how to do this. I understand cash, right? I understand it. But there was a transaction that took place by changing numbers. She gave the lady some numbers, and then the lady okayed everything, and then everything was done, all electronically, with numbers. No money, numbers. And so I thought, we don't even question that. Now, folks, that's weird. I don't care how you cut it. That is just strange, strange. I understand changing money. I understand the person says this and that and whatever, whatever. I don't even, I don't even think about it. I was at a lumber company the other day having to do something. They didn't do the bill right. When got back to the load up, somehow or another, I owed 36 more dollars and and so I just went up front, and I did what I always do. I reached in my pocket. I pull out this little green paper stuff because I know what you can do with that stuff. I fumbled through it, got me two 20s, threw them down the desk. I said, load it up. What's the matter with you? I gave them that paper. Totally, totally fires in my brain right. But numbers over a telephone going, I know, we do it. I, I, I've done it. I've given somebody my credit card number, right? But just think about it. I don't even know how it works. I don't even know how in the cyber world of all the connections. I don't even know. But we accept it as a fact. But yet we're questioning God and how he's going to heal. Well, how does this work? I don't know how it works. You do things all the time. You don't know how it works. You just do it because that's the procedure. So my point is, if two of you get an agreement that you know what the covenant of God is, and you get the person that's being prayed for to understand it's their covenant. The rest is up to God. I'm not sitting right here worried that that person, that whatever transaction took place, didn't really take place. Because that's what they wanted. And they were happy with the number she gave her. You follow me? Why don't we question how God heals? How, why don't we question how it's going to come to pass? Why are we questioning the Almighty when he set up a system that said, if you pray in the name of Jesus and demand it, it'll happen. If you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, it'll happen. If you get two of you in agreement, it'll happen. But we're wanting to know the hows, the ends, the, the whys, the, all this. Here you go, number four. <clears throat> Here's one for everybody in here tonight. Mark 16, 17, 18. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Are y'all believers in here tonight? You're believers. You may not believe everything, but you're a believer. Hello? You're categorized as saints. You've already got the package. You've already got the gold seal on your head. Right? Because if you got saved, you got the whole thing. There's not, you know, there's not package one, package two, and package three. There's only one package. It's called salvation. It comes in with everything, right? And these signs are follow those who believe, so that means that y'all. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up a serpent. If they drink of any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, wait a minute. Now God gave you an appendage. Is that the proper word? 
to put on to something, to put on to somebody for healing. Your hand. They will lay hands. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You know, I think I told you all this one time about that. I'd read a survey about a hospital that, you know, so many patients, the nurse went in and they touched them. And then so many other patients, they didn't touch them. And the patient that got touched, they recovered 50% faster than the ones that didn't get touched. There's something to a touch, right? And so he says, Mark 16, so here, here's another, here's number four. Believers laying hands on the sick and they recover. Everybody look at your hand for just a minute. Strange thing about a hand, nobody's got one like you, right? Your fingerprints, nobody's got. Your handprint, nobody's got. Well, just look at that thing right there and say, God gave me that. Come on, say that. God gave me that to lay hands on the sick. That's what he said. I'm just reading you the word. I'm not making it up. It's in the Reader's Digest I'm preaching out of. And number five, James 5, 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committing any sins, he will be forgiven him. Wait a minute. But do you notice something in here? It didn't say the elders called them up. It said they called the elders up. There's a difference there. The elders didn't call them, they called the elders. So in other words, that person was believing that when the elders laid hands on them, they would be healed. That's what I believe is available every Sunday when the prayer team's up here that can happen with people's lives if they come up. And i got to be honest with you, why do I dismiss church? And then we have prayer? Because I don't want a bunch of faithless people hanging around. Not that everybody that left is faithless, but I'm just saying I want, I want the people that are at that place of believing to come forth to receive prayer because they want it. I don't want to coerce. So here's five ways in the New Testament that Jesus tells us people should be healed. But nobody is going to be healed if the believers don't believe that healing is a part of the atoning process of Jesus and what he did for us. If it's not solidified in your heart that that is what's yours. The moment the enemy can come in there and say, well, you know, maybe you did something wrong. Maybe this is God trying to show you something. Maybe God's trying to use this. Maybe, and once, once that doubt starts going, just start asking yourself, well, is heaven real? Maybe you're not going to make it. Maybe you're outside the door. Ah, oh, shut up. I'm just talking about him. Jesus, Lord of my life. I know he's in my heart, so shut up. Right? You'd just shut that down in a second. You wouldn't listen to that doubt and unbelief for nothing. Pearly gate's going to slam right in front of your face. You're going to get the trap door. Jesus is going to say to you, well, not well done, thy good and faithful servant. Or maybe Jesus is going to say to you, well done. Are you all following me here? you got to question yourself on your faith. Now, what I think we do is we get too technical. We're trying to figure it all out. 
We're trying to rationalize in our mind how this is going to take place and, you know, how do I need to hold my mouth and, you know, I don't know, I don't really feel anointed right now. But that's not for us. We're just supposed to be the believers who lay hands on the sick and see the sick get well. It's a part of the covenant of Jesus. Now, I want to put just one more little screw in this. I don't want to go to heaven and tell Jesus I just didn't believe he was big enough to do that. I don't want to go to him and have to face him and say, well, Lord, I knew you'd get everybody saved and get them to heaven. Man, I, I just couldn't believe you would do that. Hello? I've always said, I'd rather have you crawling up on the walls and me having to drag you down. I'd rather get to heaven and Jesus said, Robert, I never even was going to do that. You were out there preaching that. Versus me get there and find out, I didn't. But the thing I want you to just meditate on is that in the old covenant, it was all accepted. The Pharisees never even thought about healing. Where today, we're making a big deal of it. But in that day, they never even thought about it. Now, what gets me is, why didn't they help the blind man? But that's another story for another time. Amen? Amen. So, I want to build your confidence. You run across a sick person tomorrow, might want to talk to them about what Jesus paid for them, bought for them, what's under the atonement. If they say, oh, I don't believe that, say, okay, be sick and leave. If they say, really? And you say, yeah. And so all we got to do is lay hands on you. And y'all will be seeing miracles taking place right in front of your eyes. Amen? Praise the Lord. Good stuff. Talk about miracles. I told y'all about Kenya Sunday and about uh, uh, wanting to see what y'all's thoughts were. I guess everything was pretty good. I didn't take up an offering, and we got $7,000 towards the land. So I thought that was pretty good. Well, we didn't even take up an offering. What could happen if we took up an offering? <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's good. Everybody's shoving money in my pockets and this, that, and the other. And I was like, Lordy, I love this church. Praise the Lord. So anyway, that's all going. So we're that much closer. So anyway, Bill, help us take up our offering tonight. If you need an offering envelope, we'll get you one. If you do give anything towards Kenya, just make sure and write on it. Just write Kenya. Put your hand on it. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. These are the richest people in the face of the earth. They're the most blessed people that there ever was. And so I ask you tonight, Lord God, just to continue to create rivers and streams and avenues of, of, of wealth coming to them. I thank you, Lord, that even things they forgot about, things they didn't know, Lord, inventions, mighty works, things that they, did, they hadn't even really even knew come about. I'll even take a lot of money, Lord. I just declare, Lord, I thank you they're blessed, their hands are blessed, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.